Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Let's talk about homelessness and building more housing. This has all been the topic recently of this new BC Housing Summit that is going on. And there are some concerns about what is being discussed and what isn't being discussed at the BC Housing Summit. So joining us now is Catherine Room, the interim CEO of Atira Women's Resource Society. Thank you for joining us. Morning, Simi. So the BC Build announcement was a big one this week from the provincial government, and they're talking about building housing uh, for what they call the missing middle in this province. Did you have some concerns when you heard about this? Well, you know, 4,000 new units, that's great, but I I think we all agree it's a bit of a scale problem because there's 5.5 million people in British Columbia, and you know, pretty much all of us are worried about where our kids or our grandkids going to live. And um, so we can build for the missing middle. Uh, that's great. But I would just like to say, I, I think we need to remind government that we're not even maintaining the housing that we're currently invested in. What do you mean? Well, we talked before, you and I, about SROs. There are 7,000 people that live in single room occupancy And we just had a coroner's inquest, which kind of reaffirmed for all of us, SROs are not appropriate housing. And I think governments have an interest in housing the poor, uh, the working poor, the precariously housed, the unhoused, because if we only take care of the missing middle and something happens, um, they, they can fall through the cracks. And without that infrastructure underneath, they will fall right onto the street. And, and that's an incredible worry. So housing really is many tiered and we need to fill all of it in. Has there not been a lot of discussion about replacing that single room occupancy level of housing that we have? Well, I I would love there to have been discussion. We invited the Minister of Housing to come to this housing and safety forum that we just held earlier this week. It was this amazing catalyst for positive change because the sector for supportive housing is completely united, but the missing person at the table is government. And, you know, in the face of radio silence, we we have heard that there is a replacement plan for SROs, but we haven't seen it. And, you know, really what we're talking about is how do you translate something from paper, um, and I'd like to see it, into action? So if there's a plan coming... What do you know about that plan? Yeah, um, not too much at the moment. And, you know, it's interesting at this forum, we had two city chiefs of fire rescue service. We had the deputy chief of the VPD. We had city councillors from three different communities that have SROs and precarious social housing. And uh, Karen Fry, who's the chief of Vancouver Fire She was uh, talking about stats. They got called out to 400 fires in SROs just last year. So, you know, about one a day. And what she said was critical work needs to be done to improve living conditions. And if anyone is going to affect this change, it will be the people who are in the room at the Housing and Safety Forum. So 
BC Housing and the Ministry of Housing, they came, and I really appreciate that, but they didn't want to sit on a panel, and what we need is people to actively provide input into a working group that will help solve this. So are you concerned then, Catherine, that there is a plan being made or there's something happening and and you haven't really heard a whole lot about what the details of that, what the details might yeah. be? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's if we're going to talk about housing in any community in British Columbia, it's for the community. It needs to be with the community. And, you know, I, I do think that as a province in general, we're going to have to mobilize, not just wait for market conditions to compel units to be built or wait for the federal government or wait for zoning changes as a province to solve what is the issue that is right in front of us, which is housing at every level. I do think we actually have to use language around mobilization. And what I would love to see is in educational institutes, uh, trade schools or in other uh, educational institutes, that that's a question that we ask young people. Okay, how are we going to solve this? When, how can we build? And we ask that question at city councils, but we ask that question at boardroom tables. How are you housing your employees? And across the province, we talk about housing at every level, um, because if we just do it one piece at a time, 4,000 units is great, but that's 0.07% of the province. Um, I'm afraid it's just not going to be enough in our lifetime. What would you tell them then if you could sit down and say, here's how we think this needs to work? What would you tell them about steps to get this done? Because clearly this government, they're in the mode of getting things done. It is an election year. There is an opportunity here to kind of bend their ear on this. What would you say? Okay, great. Yeah. All right. So having the platform to say that, I think we have to learn from people who are wise the Squamish Nation have set a target for themselves, they will build a home for every member of the nation in a generation. I mean, that's leadership. So what if we said that that was our call across the province, a home for every British Columbian in a generation? And by every, I mean, I'm, I mean everyone. So that includes people who are couch surfing because they've had to flee domestic violence. That includes a student who doesn't know where they're going to live next month when they get their red seal. And that includes somebody who has complex needs, who lives on the downtown east side, who is right now housed in the most dangerous, unsafe buildings possible. And there is this working group that has been stood up. We understand housing and safety. I think I think government needs to sit down and meet with people who have expertise, and then we just need to get it done. But what are we talking here? Even if we were to start that process now, are we not still talking about like a couple of years where we would see the end result? Right. So in the meantime, we have infrastructure right now that needs to be invested in. So maintenance and repair is not being done on social housing units. They are sitting empty across the province. And the different CEOs of the supportive housing societies have said that they have units sitting empty because they are simply not able to get the money from BC Housing to invest in those. So that is a whole bunch of units. Let's you know, at least invest in our existing infrastructure. And in the meantime, as we have been talking about finding properties and starting to build in every different size and configuration of housing, I, I think it's completely possible we know that there is investment available. Government does have the budget to do it. So let's just start.
Right. Catherine, when we say unit, though, what do we mean? Are these homes or are they, again, are we falling into a trap of something like a single room occupancy, which is not a home? Well, you know, such a great question because we do have um, a, a history, really, of saying this is temporary exactly. and then it becomes permanent. But, you know, isn't that just the open question now? We have seen how temporary becomes permanent. We need to say it can't become permanent. But at least uh, for a start, it actually gives people a sense, particularly for people who are vulnerable, have complex needs, that we begin to get them support and the help that they need to become the people that they're meant to be. And then we have a plan and we say that this is only going to be for this period of time. Um, And then they move right into a unit that's been purposely built for them with support. And I, I totally agree. We can't say something is temporary and move it into permanent. And communities don't want that either. Um, right, but, but we have a tendency requires, to kick the can down the road, don't we? Yeah, we do. Yeah, totally we do. I mean, that's a natural human reaction, or maybe it's a natural government reaction is because we lose interest in getting to the outcomes. We need to set some goals and deliver on those. Like Atira operates 3,000 housing units for women and children in all genders. And, you know, that is crucial, but so do all the other social housing entities. And at, the, at this point, we are, we are precarious because of a lack of funding and investment in even the existing infrastructure that we have. Well, Catherine, thanks for talking to us about it today. Thank you, Simi. Appreciate that time. That's Catherine Room, Interim CEO of Atira Women's Resource Society. I am curious, too, like we, that we do have a tendency to do that, where we say, okay, this is a temporary solution. Remember all the modular housing units? That was great. Temporary solution. And then what happened when we could no longer keep those temporary uh, areas open? Well, where are people supposed to suddenly go at that point, right? So what is the overall plan, I think, is what Catherine was trying to say. And it's a good question. What is the overall plan on that? If you want to weigh in, see me at cknw.com.